0: Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. We're going to be talking about uh, the... Katsuhiro Otomo storyboards for, for Akira, Jimmy. They're coming back uh, next year. Gonna it's going to be back time. in print, man. But first, a little business ahead of time. Uh, Christmas is rapidly approaching. Got to get your hands on the Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive comic that, that Jimmy put together that collects all of his image comics, Street Angel comics, as well as some uh, comics that, if you weren't lucky enough to be on his Christmas list, man, <laughs> you weren't getting these, uh, these seasonal comics, the Christmas special, the Halloween special. How many pages is this thing? Uh 200. 200 pages of phenomenal comics using all sorts of methods and materials to put this sucker together. And it is going quick. Almost sold out. So yeah, pick that up wherever
1: uh wherever you find it.
0: The paper shortage is crazy, man, and uh Red Room, the antisocial network trade paperback flying off the off the stands like we're rapidly selling those things out but uh i want to point people toward uh trigger warnings my next round of red room comics supposed to come out in december but that paper shortage is crazy got pushed six weeks man it's not going to come out till february so i want the kayfabe audience to put it all put these comics on their pull list i want it to sell out on day one man have to go into reprints immediately here's that jim Rugg variant cover uh, Peach Momoko did a cover, here's an ADP variant, but the trigger warnings round of Red Room Comics is going to be coming out in February. Remember this cover, when you see it on the shelves, scoop that thing the hell up. All of these stories are still self-contained. You could pre-order the comics at the Fantagraphics website. Jimmy and I have link trees in the description below this video where you can get to our comics, you can get to our Patreons. Hit those up, and uh, let's talk katsuhiro otomo jimmy here's the cool thing about uh these otomo storyboards these ones specifically first off I, I grabbed these at they look different than the the ones that you see on ebay for the most part because this is like uh, i got these in korea uh, so they're not the original japanese publication which i think was in 1986 like the, everybody's fighting over the a couple of books that were published in 1986 and not even a second printing or anything like that so that's why they're so scarce so i cost like 200 bucks a piece or whatever when i went to south korea 30 dollars, and there was a mound of them there i should have i could have made a whole business uh of your your kayfabe partner would have appreciated that (laughs) i know man (laughs) you know how it goes when you travel and you're going far away it's like you, you you forego uh luggage, you know, I, I threw shirts away. And books are always the worst. Yeah. The heaviest
1: possible thing,
0: you could You'd <laughs> could, you could be smuggling gold and it'd be the same as books. <laughs> Two volumes, the cool thing about these storyboard books is that unlike the manga and certainly unlike the, the anime, we are looking at the hand of one artist. Katsuhiro Otomo put these storyboards together himself and uh, that's, a, that's a rare luxury, man. To witness in uh, in Japanese comics like they're for all the kayfabe that that he says about there not being very many assistants uh, Somehow there will also be tweets out there where he's sitting in a bar with all of his Akira assistants, so uh, this is an example of him just Just uh, you know put putting his storytelling chops to the test. This is very telling material also because they have to they have to track time down to i guess that's millisecond you know second millisecond is that is that what we're looking at here and if you've seen that studio ghibli documentary where where uh miyazaki is doing his storyboards watercolor his storyboards he's got a stopwatch and he's like looks at his storyboards and closes his eyes and then looks at the stopwatch he's tracking the time to try to figure out how fast like these scenes should take place it's impossible to me to think about that component.
1: Yeah. Especially on something this long. If you were doing like a a minute, maybe I could factor seconds into it, but whenever you're doing hours, it just seems like impossible to try to try to calculate. This is really great too as a resource. Like after talking to Peter Chung and hearing him talk about, say, storyboards and you know how cartoonists don't necessarily adapt to that and mm. what you're what you're showing in storyboards. Right. It's cool to see the cartoonist here doing that adaptation, and because it it is a different type
0: of storytelling than what we get in the in the graphic novels. It's so cool seeing this right here, man. Because uh, oh, how about this? Like we'll stop. We'll stop. Uh, we'll stop this piece right here. Uh, because you you could see the iconic moments so i stop it right there because i recognize that this scene right here is where i have an animation cell whenever one of the clown uh bike dudes gets kicked off (laughs) this is uh this is a cell that would have been in the background so i think that you know some of canada's pale gang dudes would be up here and this cell would be sort of you know one level of parallax scrolling behind wow but you could see the uh, you could see the iconic shots like they seem they're very faithful to the storyboards and there yeah, it is right Yeah, right. I was there. gonna say
1: it's was, about as iconic as you get.
0: Yeah, man. You could, dude. You could find like supercuts of like almost every popular animated series and sometimes in an animated feature film. Like they have that shot down from the Simpsons to Ninja Turtles and beyond. But how cool is this, Jim?
1: It's one of my favorite objects. That's sort of like comics. I use the phrase comics adjacent, you know, yeah. it's one of my favorite objects like that because it is such an insight, and it's all because of Tomo's, you get to actually compare his drawings and his interpretation of the same story, you know, it's like one guy's mind. It's those videos where we have like the same story drawn by two artists, right. or drawn by the, the same artist, but you know, 10 years apart, that's what, you, what you're getting here, sort of, you know, that adaptation. Um, it's so valuable though
0: to see the same guy being making these choices. Man, I wish I could read Japanese because I wonder if this is like the stuff Peter Chung told us about where it's multiple characters, you know, d- doing different things in the same cell. I mean, I'm seeing just one person, you know, Tetsuo here, but maybe there's music cues or something. It's also
1: incredible because these are loose drawings. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they look amazing and there's a lot of information on them, but it's still like kind of the quick sketch version, which is pretty great. And you don't always, uh, I mean, how many manga artists do you get to see that?
0: Wow. Look at this, man. There's like a, like a fish eye lens kind of vibe. That's just
1: beautiful drawing. That's a really cool cut too, from like building to, uh, you know, several of those scenes of those kinds of angles and and background and
0: depth. As a cartoonist and a maker of comics, I would be so satisfied if this is what comics was, but you just, for the for the public, it has to be dressed up and adorned and look even extra pretty. But man, we could have had five thousand Atomo comics like at, at this level. It makes me curious like how fast he's churning
1: these out also. Because think of everything that he does in this time period, you know, like
0: is, is he doing like fifty of these pages a day or something? Crazy. I wonder if like, you know when you're when you're doing your roughs and stuff, like you could really start flowing. Like I wonder if he just fucking can zone out and just just churn these things out like I would imagine you would have to i mean it's now millions of dollars that are gonna be at play here, so I feel like I would be um nervous and feel a little bit of gun shyness really wanting to choose the perfect compositions like is does he also have sketchbooks running in scrap paper right. to try to figure out like ah oh, maybe this composition maybe this one uh okay i'll decide on this one and then goes to the final board or is he just going in now these are pretty tight they look they look like they would be light boxed or something yeah i really wonder
1: because most of it looks like it's on the board also you know like sometimes yeah. you'll see a line that'll cross over and stuff which makes me think these aren't photocopied and cut and pasted like most of them are just five drawings on yes, the page. Yeah. Um, so is it coming from, you know, is there a draft before this one? It's hard for me to imagine not doing another draft, but also like, I don't know, you know I mean? This is also a guy that's drawing on a scale that very few human beings are able to do. That's so, true. you know, you're talking about some, a, a different type of artist than, uh, than, than me. <laughs>
0: Otomo has a uh, an Instagram page that has only, like, you know, 2,000 followers or something, but it was a week or two ago he put something up there talking about the complete uh, Katsuhiro Otomo's coming back, and the first piece that's going to be reprinted are the storyboard books. That's how I discovered that it was just one printing of books from, like, 86 that... Uh,
1: that blows my mind, but also makes my uh, 1986 zine grow stronger. It's, know, it's right. about 1,200 pages at this point, but uh,
0: in my head, it's it's a nice warm spot. Very inspiring. I look at this all the time uh, when I'm starting a new uh, draft of a, a comic, and it's that time. It's t- It's time to uh, begin. Uh, you know, composing. Uh, really fortunate for him that it's a feature film, and he gets to mm-hmm. utilize this uh, this rectangle. Rather than uh, you know watching Aeon Flux episodes uh, in prep for Peter Chung, seeing how they have to compose these shots within the square of the of the cathode ray tube televisions of the day, hard to compose inside of a square for me unless you just like tune yourself into that.
1: Yeah, there's uh there's really I I love whenever he breaks like outside of the panel to do extra information or whenever it's like a pan or a zoom or something and a drawing is bigger than the, uh, yeah. the square, you know, that stuff is really kind of cool. I love looking at these two and thinking
0: of them as like their instructions. Totally. But what's crazy is unlike say the instructions of a screenplay where the director's then gonna ad lib a little bit, feel the vibe of the room, change things as needed. I recognize every shot here. You know, like these are rigid. This is this is now a scientific formula rather than a recipe for, you know, making making tacos or something like that. There's it doesn't look like there's much room to play. Like here's one of your pan shots yeah, that we right. were talking about, where it just extends into other scenes.
1: Yeah, you see it a lot whenever you get into storyboards. You know, those kinds of like uh, technical instruction that's part of the drawing. Um, you know, zooms and, and pans, Right. Uh, probably the, the things that most stand
0: out in that regard. There's the arm growing back with the gimmicks. I think somebody said, we, we showed off curious animation cells, like it's like one of the very first uh, show and tells that we did. This looks like it might be like a little pace up joint. Photocopy. Um, but people said that uh, they think that some of the, you see very ornate backgrounds sometimes and they, Hypothesized that maybe he was uh, like light boxing from his his uh, Genko finished pages from from Akira.
1: That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Why wouldn't you use that if you had access to it and you know, for what you're what you're attempting here?
0: Another iconic shot. It's amazing that these like iconic shots start off at this very small stage. Like I don't imagine that these pieces of paper, if you if it's a standardized format and you see the Studio Ghibli documentary, it's not very much bigger. It's yeah. it's less than, than uh eleven by seventeen. Right.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's in that uh, eight and a half by 11. I forget what the international sizes are the A's and the B's and shit. I, I don't know those sizes, <laughs> yes, but from it, the it's States. kind of in that, you know, nine, nine by 12, eight by 10 size.
0: Yeah. There's only so much time in a day, right? Uh, but I definitely had the idea of going through these storyboards while watching the flick and seeing if there are scenes in here that, that sort of never made the cut but never never uh, took the time for that
1: yet somebody must have done that cuz even if the scenes make the cut it'd be interesting to see like where the cuts happen cuz yeah. you know, there'd be stuff trimmed off you know and on, on maybe beginnings and ends and things shots missing pull, pulled out in the process of editing right and then again who knows you know i mean again because of atomo's unique relationship as director storyboard writer artist of the you know it he probably has a pretty clear idea of what he's planning to put on screen right
0: i feel like i don't recognize a lot of this stuff back here
1: man that's just such a great when he gets into rendering
0: yeah so there's a part where there's the um olympic coliseum and tetsuo is sort of the lord of his own little realm like something like around here right is where this sucker takes place, man. Check this out. There was an Art of Akira exhibit here in town. Shouts to Joe Peacock who owns like so many. Uh, well, he owned a, a lot of uh, Akira animation cells. He's he's gifted them to Pixar. I think it's an archive of something like ten or twenty thousand of these various drawings. So I hooked him up with the with the. Uh, local local museum here in town uh to give a kind of a dry run for what he presented across the world actually and he he peeled off a a tetsuo for me man and it just it's just so fascinating to see the level of labor that goes into these things man like they don't they don't uh ink the cell like you would see and you would hear about the ink and paint department even in the even in like the Alex Toth uh, making of cartoons. You talk about the like ladies do the inking and the painting and whatever. These are shot directly from the pencils onto a piece of acetate to save a little bit of labor. And it's interesting, like I can't quite tell how the red line shows up here. Maybe you see like a little red. I can't can't exactly tell. But that's where the kind of color holds go, where you, you choose a different paint. And it's very precise, like, you know, it, it looks one for one. Yeah, right.
1: I am always amazed when I see this kind of animation where like the pencil lines, like, look at this arc, right? That's one really fast, you know, you're moving your full arm to make that thing. Yeah. Disney has uh, has released books that are sort of like the equivalent of an artist edition where they show some, a, a bunch of this art and it's the same thing. Like I just marvel at those lines and, and you can see it here. It's one line for, you know, it's one pencil line. Yeah. It's phenomenal, that's another approach to drawing that certainly I don't do in my comics. you know, I'm going over things and trying to make lines thick and thin and all this different stuff, uh but I marvel at it whenever you see it because it it's kind of this perfect, precise line, and you don't see many lines like that anywhere like in any drawings
0: yeah i like i I do think that there was probably some toil underneath like like this is this is their version of inking like. Let's figure out the sketch, let's do some underdrawing, and then you gotta have a clean one. Yeah, to, to, yeah, to yeah. shoot from. That,
1: that makes total sense, but it still is a line that like you just never see. That's a clean, sharp, you know, that's a sharpened pencil that's making that line.
0: Yeah, man. Uh you you paint the back of the sill, and we did done a couple of these when when I was in art school. Like it could be a little messy on the back and it somehow just smooths out mm-hmm. on the front. But then there are the times when if if there is like an explosion or whatever. You need that paint to be opaque. So, check this out, man. There's like just this level layer, layer of black that goes underneath all the color, man, just so that it light... looks like tar. Yeah, You know, for really that goes... opacity part, is like, yeah, yeah, I can see it's, it's warped and everything yeah. from the thickness. Uh, so, they're shooting light from behind. So, you don't want that light to show with brush strokes and things, man. Pretty pretty rad. Anyhow, Kayfabe Crew, uh, like I said, they're going to be reprinting these. Uh, these Otomo storyboards, it might just be available in Japan, but that doesn't mean that you can't you can't scoop it up yourself. It might cost you thirty dollars shipping, fifty dollars shipping, but you don't want to miss out.
1: Yes, I've been looking for these books uh, ever since I heard about them, which was before you went to Korea. So really, no excuse for not buying a couple sets of these. ads. <laughs> um, but they are impossible uh, impossible to find now for less than a couple hundred dollars each. So I'm looking forward to the reprints.
0: Yeah, keep. Keep your eyes peeled on the Mandarake websites. Keep your eyes peeled on uh, the Japanese eBay. And uh, if you're lucky enough to travel the world, then you wander into a little shop where you might think that there are some mogwai or something around. Maybe you'll see these books on the shelves. Look, this was
1: my... Uh, in, in the Street Angel book, that was my homage to the uh, the
0: Akira storyboard covers. Genius. <laughs> Genius. It really works out, Jimmy. Anyhow, K okay, favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel with the bell will notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy?
1: Join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can download a dozen of my out-of-print zines and mini-comics. You can see a bunch of my original art, scripts, layouts, uh, kind of the process of
0: how I make the comics I make. Uh, all that's at patreon.com slash jimrug. Red Room, the anti-social network trade paper back in stores today. Uh, get it get it at your local comic shop. These things are going fast. Uh, you got to pre-order Red Room trigger warnings issue number one. There was all sorts of ransomware and stuff that happened at Diamond, and it cut off uh, the orders for Red Room issue number one. So I do think that uh, it's going to be a rare commodity, and I want to see that sell out right away. Hit my Patreon uh, up to read the comics ahead of time. We have link trees in the description below this video where you can get to all of our stuff. What else, Jim? You can subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find links
1: to uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That is hot rod. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, our homage to uh, Roddy Rowdy Piper's outlaw t-shirts himself
0: one of my favorite uh wrestlers in the game man rest in peace all right jimmy give him those Martian orders we're gonna be on our way make more comics